family and this is in honor of the yard site of Fege Bas Moshe may this be a big aliyah for her neshama the yard site was actually last week on Zion Cheshren I didn't give a shear because I wasn't here so this week's shear should be in, uh, dedicated to her yard site she should have an alias neshama to the greatest of heights. She should chant a lot, a lot of bracha down to the Smolyansky family for all that they need and all that they want and only, only big, big blessings. Thank you for that dedication. Okay. Um, so, to, tonight... Um, I wasn't here last week because I was in Eretz Yisrael. Maybe that's the reason why. That's one of the reasons for my jet lag. But the the reason why I wanted to speak on this topic. Um, when you're in Eretz Yisrael, in Israel, you know, you get connected very strongly to the, to the land, to the place. Uh, that's our home. That's our base. So I stayed primarily in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim. And... I was always intrigued by the name Yerushalayim. I mean, obviously, the name of something is always uh, its essence. So where does the name Jerusalem come from? It's related to this week's Torah portion. So I had this thing in my head that I have to talk about the origins of Yerushalayim, deeply connected to this week's Parsha, because this week's in the Parsha, we learn about the Akedas Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac, in which Avram... Um, which Hashem instructed Avram, Abraham, to take his one and only son Yitzchak, or as, the, as God refers to him as your one and only son, even though he had two sons. And uh, he was one and only to his mother, of course, and bring him up as a sacrifice on the Mount Moriah. That's what it says. Now this place um, where we call now the Temple Mount, which is in the city of Yerushalayim, was always very special. Uh, it's, uh, it's, its specialty goes back to the very, very, very beginning of beginnings. Hashem chose that place even before He created the world, or as He was be- 
as he started the process of creation. As we know that in the Beis Amigdash, there's a special stone. Uh, it might be in the, uh, the dome, or they call the dome of the rock. That, that might be the rock. Again, there's different... Uh, this, the, 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 there's different opinions about this situation, uh, but there is a special rock which was in the Holy of Holies. Within the Beis Amigdash itself, within the temple, in the Holy of Holies, there was a special rock, um, which the ark was on top of that stone. And um, it was during the first Beis Amigdash, when King Solomon Shlomo Melech built the Beis Amigdash, he had the rock be... This, I mean, didn't move the rock. This is the place where the rock was, deeply in the ground, and on top of that rock was where they put the the um, the uh, Aron Hakodesh, the ark, which carried the tablets, which was the place of where the Shekhinah dwelled, and that rock is called Evan Hashesia, the foundation rock, and the reason it's called the foundation rock is because the sages tell us Olam, the world was founded on that rock. That's like the foundation. That was like the, the, the nucleus of creation. God begins with that rock, and from there he builds the entire creation. So we understand that um, the significance of Jerusalem, the significance of that place, is at the very beginning, because it's the, 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 the start of it all. We also know, just a little outside of that rock, um, in the courtyard, when the temple stood, there was the altar. And the Ramam tells us that the place of the altar, the place is very, 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 very specific, the place of the altar, meaning not just the temple, but the place of the altar specifically is very, very special um, because that's where Avram Avinu brought Yitzchak. So it wasn't on the place of the rock, a little bit, a little bit to the west of it. No, a little bit to the east. A little bit to the east of it is where the, um, the binding of Yitzchak took place, and that's where the altar is. Um, so we also know, or Rashi tells us, and I guess this is also for Medrash, that when God created Adam, and the Pasuk says, That Hashem created man, earth, that he took from the earth. He took earth, and he made a, a clay, so to speak, and from that he created the human being, the human body. So where did the earth come from? There's two opinions. One opinion is that God collected the earth from the entire world, from all over the planet, and he mixed the earth together, and that earth, and that's the human being. And the reason for that is because since Hashem told man, until Mashiach comes, that you come from earth and you will go back to earth, that means that the body has to decompose in the earth in order that the earth should receive the human being and shouldn't reject it. The human body had to be created from earth that is from everywhere in the world. So if someone uh, gets interned in China, uh, the Chinese soil should absorb him. And if the person gets buried in Australia, the Australian soil should be able to absorb him and so on anywhere in the world. That's one, one explanation where the earth came from. Another explanation was that that earth was from the place of the altar. Why? Because Hashem knew that the body 
would be a little bit of a troublemaker. The body would be all over the place. And as a result of that, um, in order for the human being to be sustained, they have to be able to do tshuva, to have repentance and atonement. And God has to forgive the person. And where is the forgiveness going to be happening? On the altar. That's when people would bring sacrifices, when they would express their tshuva, and they would be forgiven through the sacrifices. The sacrifices uh, bring about an atonement, a kapara. And that's the reason why God created the human being from the earth, from where he would be atoned for. So again, whether the creation of the world, whether the creation of the human being, Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, temple, the Temple Mount is a very significant place. We also know that Adam, the Rambam also brings this in the laws of the Beis Amigdash, that when Adam Arishon, Adam, um, wanted to worship God and offer a sacrifice, he built an altar and he offered a sacrifice, and where did he do it? In the place of the Beis Amigdash. Same as the second generation, in which we find the first religious conflict uh, between Cain and Hevel, Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel, in which they got into a fight because God preferred the worship of one and not the worship of the other, and he killed his brother. So over there too, they offered the, um, the, uh, the, the, their karbanis, that what they offered was on Mount Moriah, on that place, on the Temple Mount. Noah, when he came out of the, the ark, God sa- and he was saved with his family from the entire planet that was wiped out. Even though he was dropped off somewhere in Turkey, where I think is the Mount Ararat, that's where the uh, Teva came to rest, he didn't offer his sacrifice there. He went to Jerusalem, to Hara Maria, and that's where he offered the sacrifices then, and God showed him the rainbow, made a covenant with the world, that the world would, God would never destroy this world again. So I'll be pashtis and simple. It was in the place of the Mizbeach. It says God smelled the karbonos. He smelled the sacrifices. So that too happened in that place. So again, the foundation of the world, the foundation of the human being, and the covenant that God is making with mankind not to destroy it, the stability of the world is all related to Yerushalayim. But all of that is not mentioned explicitly in the Torah. We don't have anywhere in the Torah, from the, in Bereshis and in Noach, any specific mention about, about the specialty of either Eretz, Yis, uh, Eretz Yisrael or the, uh, the land of Israel in general, or particularly Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. We don't find that. Uh, there is another thing in Noah. It says when the dove came back to Noah and it had an alizayas, it had an olive um, um, leaf in its mouth. So where did that olive leaf come from? So again, there is two opinions in the Midrash. Either it came from Gan Eden or it came from Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. Okay, but again, not explicit. So where do we have Eretz Yisrael becoming special Seen where does it emerge? That's Pasha's Lech Lecha, of course. Begins with Lech Lecha, La'aretz Asherareka, you should go to the land that I will show you. So there you see, and then God promises Avram, this land will be yours. So there is already a specific importance and greatness to the land of 
Eretz Yisrael and how this is the chosen land, the desirable land. But here too as well, it's Eretz Yisrael in general, not Yerushalayim. Where do we have Yerushalayim being emphasized? Parsha's Vayera, this is this week's Parsha. When Hashem says to Avram Avinu, Lech lecha el Eretz ha go to the land of Moria. Now, we're, there is a mention of Jerusalem already earlier, also in Parsha's Lech Lecha in last week's Torah portion. And that is, it says, Umalki, it says when Avram Avinu was fighting, went to battle, when there was that great first world war, when the four kings fought against the five kings. And Avram Avinu uh, laid his life on the line to go rescue his nephew Lot. And um, after he comes back, after this miraculous victory, it says the uh, king whose name is Tzedek, and he's from a place called Shalem, and he's coming out to meet Avram Avinu, and he's bringing for him wine and bread. Lechem v'yayin. And he's coming to greet him, like the parade that is made for those that are uh, victorious in war. And he gives him a blessing. So who's this king Tzedek? So Rashi says that his, this is shame. This is Avram Avinu's great, 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 great grandfather. Shame, the son of Noah. Shame, the great Tzedek. He was a king. <clears throat> over which area was he a king? Melech Shalem, over a place called Shalem. Okay, so Rashi doesn't say what Shalem is. Rashi just says it's Shem ben Noach. Rashi doesn't tell us where Shalem is. But the Unkelis says, let's go to the Unkelis. So Malki Tzedek, Malka the Yerushalayim, the king of Jerusalem. So you have reference to Jerusalem already in Malki Shalem. And uh, the Ramban. And the Eben Ezra says it, Shalem Yerushalayim. Va'eid, and to, the, the proof to that is, Va'hi b'shalem sukkah, that God's sukkah, God's hut, which is the Beis Amigdash, where is it b'shalem in the place called Shalem? And the Ramban over here has a very interesting passage. Nachmanides, Malki Tzedek Melech Shalem, Yerushalayim, that is Yerushalayim. Umalka Yikare Gamkem be Yemei Yeshua Adoni Tzedek, the king is called Tzedek. Kimei Oz Yadu Hagoyim Kiyamakem Ahu Mivchar Hamakaymais. Why do they call the king of Jerusalem Tzedek, the righteous one? Because the nations already knew back then that that place is Mivchar Hamakomos, that place is the choicest of all places. Beemtsa Ahishuv is in the middle of the the uh, civilized civilization. It's like the center of civilization. So they, they knew it's special according to that, just not, not a spiritual quality. That's, um, they, they, they attributed its significance because it was the, the, the apple of the eye. That's like the center of civilization. But then he adds, Oishe Yadu, or perhaps they knew, Maulasai Bekabala, 
it's possible that they had a tradition. Now, they weren't so far from, from Noah, who passed on the uniqueness of this place to his children, and also from Adam, from Adam Arishon. They knew this is the gateway to heaven, that this is connected to the Beis Amigdash, the temple of above, the spiritual temple. That's where God dwells, that's where the Shekhinah is. And the Shekhinah is called Tzedek, Shenikra Tzedek, the righteous one. Since the Shekhinah is called Tzedek, so the king over Jerusalem was also called Tzedek, just like the king over the Jerusalem above is the Shekhinah, so the king down here that's representing that kingship was also called Tzedek. Anyways, so you have a, a reference last week in the parsha already for Yerushalayim. This week in the parsha, as I mentioned earlier, it becomes more, more um, recognized as the choice place. Because until now, we don't see that God chose that place. Again, explicitly. And, and even we saw all the, all the things, besides, and if Hashem created the world again, but it doesn't say so in the Chumash. The, the, um, this that we saw that it was, we said Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem, they all offered sacrifices over there. There we see that humans designated that place, perhaps because of what they knew, as we just said. But we don't have any designation of that place as a special place coming from God, coming from Hashem. Well, this week in the parasha, when Hashem tells Avram Avinu, bring me, bring up your son, it says, go, where should you go? You should go, you should go to the land of Maria. You should bring him up over there for a sacrifice, for a burnt offering. Within the, the area called Moria, so it would seem like the entire Jerusalem, um, the whole city, the whole area over there is called Moria. And amongst them, there is one mountain, which is the Temple Mount. And that's, again, then it was desolate, nothing was there. And he said, on one of the mountains that I will tell you, Okay, so that's where clearly the binding of Isaac took place on Mount Moria. How do we know Maria is Jerusalem? So Rashi says, um, Eretz Maria, Yerushalayim. And he brings proof from the, the uh, from Scripture in Divrei Hayamim. In it says, Livnoi says, Beis Hashem Yerushalayim, to build the house of God in Yerushalayim, Bahara Maria and Mount Maria. Okay, and then Rashi gives explanation why this place is called Moria, which we're going to uh, see soon. But this is what we have over here. So again, in last week's parasha, we have the place called Shalem. Over here, we have Jerusalem called Moria. And then later, after the story of the binding, when God at the last minute calls Avram Avinu through the angel and tells him to stop. Don't shech the Yitzchak. It says, Avram Avinu called 
Abraham called that the name of that place, Hashem Yira Hashem Shutzi. Which will be said today, Bahar Hashem on the mountain of God, it should be seen. Okay. So Avram names the place. What's the name that God that Avram gives it? Hashem Yira Hashem should see. Simply, this is the place where God is looking at. Or as Mafarshima is saying, God should see the act that I have done here today. This should always be in front of God's eyes. And that's what he continues. Throughout every day, throughout all of history, it should be said, Bahar Hashem on the mountain of God, it is being seen, the, the ashes of Yitzchak, the ashes of the ram that was offered up as substitute of Yitzchak, which represents the greatest act of human sacrifice to God, where, the, where, Hash, where a human being rose beyond every selfish motive and drive to do God's will with the utter surrender and nullification, devotion and dedication to Hashem, like no other being has ever reached. So that act of, of, of love, of the deepest love that's possible, that was ever achieved, that should always be seen in front of God, obviously to evoke merit and forgiveness and atonement for the Jewish people, for humanity. That is the, the, uh, what the Pasuk says. So we have to bring this all this together. We have Shalim last week in the parsha, We have Moriah. And we have over here Hashem Yireh. Hashem should see. Which is interesting because on simple level, doesn't seem like this name lasted. Neither the name of last week's parsha which is Malkit Tzedek Melech Sholem, the king of Sholem, and neither the name of this week's parsha, Hashem Yireh, is what is its name. Its name is Yerushalayim. But if you're paying close attention, when you hear the word Yerushalayim, it actually is ringing both these names. The name of Parsha Lech Lecha, which named it Sholem, because Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, the, the, the Shalem, Yerushalayim, Shalem is the, the same word as Shalayim, we'll see. And then the Yeru is related to what Avram is calling it, Hashem Yireh, Hashem Shetzi. It's not exactly, but pretty close. So, these names of that special city in which we are waiting momentarily that it's going to take its place as the ultimate place and get its, get its honor back as the most glorious place in the world. Um, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim combina- is, seems to have both these names to it. So it actually says, I thought maybe Rashi brings it, but Rashi does not bring it. No. It's a Midrash. 
Let me quote to you the Midrash. This is a Midrash in this week's Torah portion. Again, on this Pasuk, Midrash Rabbah. So the Midrash says like this. Avram Koira Oisa Yire. Hashem, Avram called the place Yirash, seeing. Shenem of Yikra Avram Shem Amokam Ahu Hashem Yira, then Hashem should see. Shem Kara Oisei Sholem. Shem, however, the son of Noah, called it Sholem. Shenem Amalki Tzedek Melech Sholem. And it seems like not only was he the king of a place called Sholem, which is Jerusalem, but he called it that way. Amar HaKadosh Baruch. So God says, if I will name this place Avram, like Avram called it, Avram, who was my good friend, who called my city Yireh, then shame Adam Tzadik Misra, then shame is going to be upset, is going to be offended, is going to be insulted that, I, that he called it Shalem. And if I call the place Shalem, which is Shem's name, Avram Adam Tzadik, Avram who's a righteous man, Misram is going to have complaints against me. I'm going to call it Yerushalayim. Like they called it both together, Yireh Shalem. Now, even though the, the word is, Jerusalem is not Yireh Shalem, it's Yerushalayim. So now let's look a little careful. The word Yireh is spelled Yud Resh Aleph Hey. Yireh should see. Yud Resh Aleph Hey. The word, the first half of the word Yerushalayim is Yeru. Yud Resh Vav. So what really is we're substituting the aleph and the hay for revav, which works. Why? Because an aleph and a hay, the numeric value of those two letters is six. A hay is five. As we know that all the letters of the aleph base have a number. Aleph is one, so forth. So hay is five, and aleph is one. So hay and aleph is six. So if you take out the hay and the aleph, you put in a vav, you really didn't diminish it. It just exchanged it. But it's still Yeru is really Yireh. Now the second half of the word is Shalayim. Which you would think is Shin Lamed Yud Mem. Like it is spelled some places. Shin Lamed Yud Mem. Shame didn't call it Shalayim. He called it Shalim. So the Tosvos, the Masech Tainas, here we are. Daftez Zion, page 16 in Masechtas Tainus, talks about Har Sheyotzim Emenu Hayroli Yisrael, the mountain where uh, teachings come out to Israel. Which mountain is this referring to? So Tosfos brings that that's Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. And Tosfos brings this Medrash. Yerushalayim, Shekara Hashem Avram, Shekara Har Hashem Yireh, calls it Yireh. 
and even before that it was already called Sholem, because the Malki said the It's together, Yeru, Yeru, Sholem, Yira and Sholem. Lekach, therefore, ein oinu noisnim yud beYerushalayim. We do not put a yud in the word Yerushalayim. Bein lamed lemem. You put a yud in the beginning. The first letter is for sure a yud. Yerushalayim. But we don't put a yud between the lamed and the mem because the name is really Yerushalam. Al Shem Sholem. By the way, it's interesting because a couple of months ago I gave a shear on Lagaba Omer and I made reference to it on Parshas Noach too when I spoke about this year being the year of 33, 3333. So we spoke all about the significance of number 33. Whoever listened, paid it, uh, uh, listened to last class. In any case, um, I was speaking about the idea that King David was king in Jerusalem for 33 years. And I spoke about the idea that Yerushalayim, at that class, is the ultimate um, concentration of Gevura. Well, we'll still talk about it today as well. Of Gevuras, of powers of, of, uh, of the, the powers of, of, uh, di- of, of discipline or might. And uh, I was doing a gematria there. And when I said it on this year, I, was, I actually did the calculation, the math. And the calculation was coming off, came out with an extra 10. The numbers weren't matching up. It was 10 extra. So I said that I looked in the book. It was Lakuti Levi Yitzchak from the Lubavitcher Rebbe's father. And it's, it's, it's spelled Jerusalem over there without a Yud. I said, ah, so I said, if you take away the Yud from Yerushalayim, then, uh, then, then it works. And someone, point, someone after that pointed out to me, he said, no, someone said, oh, what do you mean, just taking away a Yud? The Yud is there. He like kind of was questioning it. Tosfus says specifically that Jerusalem is spelled without a Yud. So whatever it says is accurate. <laughs> Okay, I just felt really good to find that it was accurate. I knew it was, that must be accurate because uh, a great tzaddik made that gematria, he wouldn't be making a mistake. But I, here I have explicit, when we found this Tosfus today, where Tosfus says explicitly that Jerusalem is spelled without a yud because it comes from the word Yeru Shalom. Yira Shalom. The name, it's a fusion, a combination of Avram Avinu's name and Shame's name. Okay, so I'd like to go a little bit into a deeper understanding into the name Yerushalayim, what does it mean? But before that, let's look at the name Moria. Again, as we said that in the beginning of the story of the Akedah, that place is called Moria. So what does Moria mean? So Rashi says, that the meaning of the word Maria comes from the word more. Now, more means teaching. More means to teach, an instructor. A teacher in Hebrew is called a more. You're going to school, ask a, ask a child, 
Who is your moret? Who is your teacher? An instructor. If the land is called moreh, it means it's an instruction. Who's instructing? It's the instruction of God. That could be, Rashi doesn't say it explicitly, could be why it says moriyah, with a yud and a k. It's the moreka. God, one of the names of God is yud k, moreka, that God teaches. Because teachings come, come from that place. Divine teachings come from that place. Where do we find, what does it mean that instruction comes from that place? I'll be pashta simply, God's teaching to the world came from Sinai. God's way, in instruction to the world is God giving the Torah. Torah is instruction. And a, and, a, and a manual how to live our lives according to God's will. An instruction, a guidance. So that was Har Sinai. Not, not Har Maria. But we know that Hashem gave the Torah over to the rabbis to interpret the Torah. Based on the principles that he gave to Moshe. And that was extrapolated primarily by the Sanhedrin, the great Jewish court, and the great rabbis. And for hundreds of years, when the temple stood, the Sanhedrin, the headquarters, the great Sanhedrin, had their, their they sat, their place of, of, of uh, expounding and teaching Torah and giving off Torah Halacha, uh, um, teaching the Jewish people on all questions that would arise in any aspect of Torah, it was in a place called Lishkas HaGazes, it was one of the rooms in the Holy Temple, and that's where they sat. So that's the meaning, that's why it's called Moriah, because teachings come from that place. Perhaps we can say that the real reason for it being called Moireh, teachings, is really for the future. Because as the verse says, that in the future, when Mashiach will come, ki mitzion Torah, from Tzion will go out, it says that all the nations are going to flock. The, the, the mountain of God is going to be established firmly. And they're going to flock to it. All the nations from all over the world are going to come to Jerusalem. Why? Kimitzion becomes from Zion, from Zion, Tetzay Torah. Torah will go out, Udvar Hashem, and the word of God, Meirushalayim, will issue forth from Jerusalem. That means that as much as Torah we had in the past, Torah was taught to Israel, to the Jewish people. In the days of King Solomon, King Solomon was a teacher for all of humanity. People came from far and to wide to hear. And where was his palace? Also in Yerushalayim. Capital. Yerushalayim is deeply associated with Malchus based David, with the kingship of David and Melechus. When we pray for Jerusalem, we, Yerushalayim, 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 we pray that God return, restore Jerusalem. And the throne of King David you should put in the middle of the city. So Shlomo Melech, who's the... Uh, the heir to, to, to David's kingdom, he was in Yerushalayim, and he taught humanity, but it was all in a limited form. The unlimited teachings that are going to flow after Mashiach comes through Mashiach Tzitkenu, the descendant of King David, in Jerusalem, 
from there is where teaching is going to go out for the entire world. And that's the reason why the place is called Moriah, which means Moreka, the teaching of God. Hira is coming to the Jewish people, coming to the world from that place. So that's one reason for the name Moriah. Another reason why it's called Moriah, Rashi says, and he brings it from the, from the Targum. It's called Moriah because of the service of the Ketores. The spices, the incense that was offered at, on that mountain. We know that in, on the Temple Mount was the Temple, and the activities in the Temple was that we served God by offering sacrifices. From all the sacrifices, the one that was the most cherished by Hashem, the deepest and highest sacrifice, is one that was done not with animal, but with various different herbs and spices, a spice blend called the Ketores, the, in, the incense. And it was offered daily on the, on the inner, in the inner altar, not at the outer altar. And then on Yom Kippur, the Holy of Holies, that was the highest service in the whole year when the Kohen, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and offer the Ketores. So Ketores represents the peak of mankind worshipping its creator. And, that, and that's the reason why it's called the Mountain of Moriah. Because one of the spices that was in the Ketores is more. It's an argument amongst the, amongst the commentators what is more. Either it's an herb, according to some, or I think Nachmanides says it's an herb. Uh, others say, uh, Rambam learns that it's a type of a musk coming from an animal, a uh, certain type of an animal, a certain secretion that's taken from the animal. And that's the, 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 the moor. But whatever it is, it's an inherent and pivotal part of the Ketores. So I guess so much so that all of the Ketores, maybe it's a very dominant type of a fragrance. And that's the reason why the mountain is called Maria, because of the Ketores. In a sense, we can say, and it's not we're saying, I really, there's, there's mention in this in one of the, one of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's talks, uh, where he's talking about the significance, and this also Parshas Vayera regarding the Mizveach, but I'm just taking just one, one idea from there. And that the, 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 the two uh, elements related to the Beis Amigdash and related to Mount Moriah, if Moriah is called because of teachings coming forth from that place, or Moriah is called Moriah because of the Ketores, we understand that it's related to the idea that, you see, the Beis Amigdash is the place where man and God meet. And when two people meet, the communication is, should be multidirectional. It should be both. It should be a communication working back and forth. God communicates to us through Torah. God speaks to us. God doesn't pray to us. He teaches us Torah. We 
worship Hashem through prayer, we worship Hashem through sacrifices. So the question is, what's the dominant element in the temple? According to the opinion that the mountain is called Moria because teachings come out from that place, what we're highlighting and what we're celebrating most about the Beis HaMikdash is that divine communication. That this is a place where God communicates. Actually, prophecy was, was channeled through the temple. There were two pillars in the front gate, on the, in the front entrance to the Beis HaMikdash, which was called Yochin and Boaz, which mystically, according to Kabbalah, these two pillars is where prophecy is really channeled to the prophets. So God communicating to the world, or Torah, which is even higher than prophecy, is communicated in the temple through the Sanhedrin. Because we know the Sanhedrin weren't just using their human minds. The fact that if they're using the human minds, who cares where they're sitting? They can sit in San Francisco. Who cares where they are? They're using their minds. And the reason they have to be in the temple, because when they were in the temple, and they studied, even though they were thinking and using their, 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 uh, their, their, their minds to explore and understand, but it was being directed and guided by divine inspiration. And that's the meaning of Hayrod, godly teaching coming to the world, especially on a whole new level with Mashiach Tzedkenu, who is going to be the ultimate more, the ultimate teacher. It actually says about Mashiach that he's called more. Yavilu shai la more. You will bring presents to the teacher. It's referring to the presents that are going to be brought to Mashiach Tzedkenu. In any case, back to what we were saying. So in that sense, the greatest and most powerful element of the Beis HaMikdash is that it is a channel for divine, for divine communication to the world. Now, on the other hand, the Beis HaMikdash is also the place where man can come and pour out his heart, pour out his soul in gratitude, in thankfulness, or in deep prayer, or in, in like uh, we find Hannah came to the Beis HaMikdash and she poured out the, her, her, as she says, I'm spilling out my soul, conveying all of her pain and all of her frustration that she couldn't have any children. So on and so forth. As the Pasuk says, Ki beisi based tefillah, my house, the Temple Mount, is going to be when Mashiach comes. It is already, it is in essence, but it's going to be fully developed and revealed. Based tefillah, yekara l'kala amim. The Beis HaMikdash is not going to be just for the Jewish people. It's going to be for all of mankind. Everybody's going to come to pray over there. Based tefillah. In that sense, the peak of prayer is katoris. Actually, the word katoris means bonding. It was the deepest point of, the deepest innermost point of the neshama, of the soul, surrenders itself completely and becomes subsumed in God's infinite light. We sort of like, we melt into God. That's katoris. That's the deepest. But even if we're not so deep, all the karbonos and the sacrifices and so on and so forth, which are all an offshoot of the katoris. And that's why it's called more which more represents the service of the Qataris. So here we have two explanations on the word Maria, the significance of it, and why that's the name for the Holy of Holies. Now, as I mentioned earlier, um, in addition to the word more, 
of the word moria, there's an extra yud. Actually, I said before there's an extra yud k. It's not correct. The word more would have a hey, but but the yud is extra. Moria. So what's this extra yud in the name? So both the um, kliyakar and the alshach hakadosh. Okay, two of the great, great, great commentators. Probably lived around the same time. In the 1500s, maybe the Kliyakar lived in the 1600s. Both of them mentioned the idea of Yudke, of Maria having a Yud and a He. Slightly different. The Al Shechakadosh, again, on the word, on this, in this Pirush, on the, on the word Maria, says that. We know that when God creates the world, God created the spiritual worlds and Hashem created the physical world. Or as we sometimes refer to it as Olam this world, the tangible reality that we can point to. And then the more abstract, hidden worlds, which, which is not revealed to us today, it's going to be revealed to us later in the future. And that's why that's called Olam Haba, the world to come. So the sages say, then when God created the world, He created the world with these two letters, with a Yud and with a He. With a Yud, Hashem created a future world, Olam Haba, and with a He, Hashem created this world. Okay, so there's the, 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 the source of our world is a He, and the source of the, the world to come is the Yud. Since the Beis Amigdash is the place where heaven and earth connect, in other words, matter and spirit connect, soul and body connect, cosmic soul and the cosmos and the, and the, and the cosmos themselves connect, neshama and guf, olam abo, which is neshama, which is soul, and olam hazeh, which is guf, which is body. This is the point where the two merge and where they connect. That's why the mountain is called Moriah Yudke, the place of the Yudke where the Yudke is, 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 is where the Yud and the He are connected. That's where the worlds were founded. Both worlds are founded from that point. The Yud and the He, the point of connection. And the al says, that is the reason why it's emphasized over here. Because when God was telling Avram Avinu to bring his son Yitzchak for the Yakedas Yitzchak, he didn't want him to just bring him to the physical temple. He wanted him to bring him to the spiritual temple. In other words, the, the temple of the Yud and the temple of the He. The temple, and as we know, there's two Jerusalems. Jerusalem Shalmata, Jerusalem down here. Jerusalem Shalmaila, Jerusalem of above. The temple of below and the temple of above. As we mentioned earlier. But here is the place where both of them meet. As Yaakov says, when Yaakov slept there on that night, on, on, a, on a night, remember when we learn about him soon, soon, and he had a dream of a ladder, was also on this very special place. This is the gateway to heaven. So this is the point where the Yud and the K connect. So Hashem told him, because Avram Avinu was lifting Yitzchak up onto the altar from above. Mamish in front of the Kisei Akavan and the throne of glory for God.
And that's the reason why it's called Yudke. The Kliyakar, again, same idea that the Yudke from the word Moriah represents the Yudke of God's name, but just a little bit, I would say, a, a little slightly different or a little deeper. And that is as follows. He says that the Yud and the K, Yud is the masculine and He is the feminine. As we always know, that uh, we find it in in uh, in in Loshen Zachar and Loshen Nekeva. Every time we're referring to in masculine, um, in, in when we're trying to say something for a man in Hebrew, we say it with with a yud. If I'm saying his uh, yud or avav. Can be either with a yud or a vav, and when we're saying for a female, we're saying it with a hey, because yud and a vav are both masculine, and hey is feminine. But in the, we have to take it further. Man and woman is ish and isha. That's man and woman. Ish is male, and isha is female. And when a man and a woman get married, so the yud and the hey connect. So the sages say. That when if, if a marriage is successful and there's peace in the house and there's love and there's harmony and there's respect and so forth, Zachu, if they merit, Shechina Shrue Beinayim, the divine, the Shechina dwells there. How do we know that? Because the sages say, because the Yud and the He of Ish and Isha comes together making the word Ka. Since he says the Beis Amigdash is the place where heaven and earth kiss, the Beis Amigdash is the place where the spiritual and the material meet. Beis Amigdash is the place where the feminine element of God called the Shekhinah, which is the source of primarily the physical world, and the masculine element of called HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which represents the transcendental, the infinite light. Shekhinah is also spiritual, of course. But comparison, in, comp- in comparison to the masculine light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shechina is called the source of Olam Hazeh, of the material world. And the Yud, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is the idea of the Yud, is the source of the spiritual world. And in the Beis Amigdash, the two of them meet. That's the place of Yichud. That's the place of intimacy. That's the place of closeness. Actually, the temple, the, the um, Kodesh HaKadoshim, is referred to as cheder hamitos. It's, it's, it's considered the bedroom. That's the deepest intimacy between God and Israel, between God and the Jewish people, between God and the world. It's the purpose of all of creation. That's what the whole song of songs is based on, shira shira. Havieni amelach of the king has brought me into his private chamber. So since that's the place of the yichud, that's why it's called moriah. And he also says... And that's the reason why in the Temple and Mount itself you had 15 steps that went from the women's courtyard to the regular Azara, which was called the Ezra Yisrael, which mainly means the, it was the men's quarters. So there was the men and the woman and the connection between them, 15 steps. The 15 steps is the Yudke that connects men and woman, HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Shekhinah. Also, the Yudke 
when was the Beis Hamikdash built? What would it take to fuse this, the, the the spiritual world and the physical world? When is the world finally reaching its purpose? And this fusion, this this is the purpose of all of creation. God wanted to have a dwelling in this place, which means He wanted to live with His bride, with Knesset Yisrael, with the Jewish people, with with and through them, with all of humanity, in in an everlasting in an everlasting bond. When is this happening? When did it take place for the first time? After 15 generations. From Abraham, from Avram Avinu, until Solomon, Shlomo Melech. Shlomo Melech is the 15th generation from Avram Avinu. He said he's the one who builds the Beis Amigdash. The Yudke. Moriah has the Yudke. The Yud and the He in it. Okay. Now one more thing about the word Moriah. Sages also say, the Midrash says, there is another Purish in the word Moriah. From that place, Morek comes to the whole world. Fear comes to the whole world. The fear of God comes from the Beis Amikdash. That's the source of Yiras Hashem, a fear of God. Why? Because God was revealed over there. So when a Jew came to the Beis Amikdash, or when any human being would come to the temple, they would be filled with a powerful sense of the divine presence, and they would tremble in fear. The primary feeling that you felt when you came to the temple, first and foremost, you were hit with a powerful sense of awe, of the majesty and greatness of God that literally caused the person to shiver and to shake. That's how frightening, not frightening in the sense of Someone is going to punish you, but frightening of the greatness, the fear of the greatness of God. And it was so, so much so that it, it kept the fear of Hashem on a person for a long time. It's actually one of the reasons the Torah says that um, three times a year, pilgrimage holidays, you come to be seen in front of God and so on and so forth. Primarily, it says it regarding the year of Hakel. The once every eight years, or after the sabbatical, once after, at the end of the seven years of the Shemitah year, all Jews were required to come to the Beis Amigdash, and the king would read Sefer Devarim, and this would instill, instill fear in the, in the entire nation. And it lasted for seven years. And come back again to fear God. It's very hard for us to have true awe and fear of Hashem, because we don't have any any revelation. We don't have any manifestation of Hashem in this world. We have to work on it. We have to think. We have to think. Once we think a little deeper and we meditate, we see God everywhere. But obviously to the naked eye, the world obscures, nature obscures and hides and conceals God. But in the Beis Amigdash, over there, the place was transparent. Over there is where God was revealed. And as a result of that, Fear came to the world. So now we look at the word Moria, and we have three interpretations on the word Moria. One is, Moria comes from the word Moret, teacher, instructor. Mor, which means ketores, which means, right, which is the idea of the, the peak of worship. And finally, Mora means the dread and the fear of God. So the Sefer Shem Mishmuel, the Sachach of the Rebbe, again, in this class, 
I was doing a lot of um, uh, researching on Yerushalayim, trying to pull from everywhere. Primarily, I'm concerned, I'm looking for the more mystical Hasidic interpretations on the, on, on the significance of Yerushalayim. So I found in Sefer Shem Shmuel, in this week's parsha, he says, he brings these three interpretations on the word Moriah, and he says it's connected to our three fathers. We know that to all three of our fathers, Jerusalem was special. To Avram, Avram, we know it was special. That's where God instructed him to bring Yitzchak. And this was the most, the shining moment, the highest moment in Avram's life was when he was, he was able to accomplish the, the inconceivable, as we said earlier, to rise beyond every consideration in pure devotion to Hashem. So where did this happen on Mount Moriah? To Yitzchak, we know the place is special because that's where he was offered up and that's where he reached the highest levels of holiness. We know that in terms of Kedusha, holiness, Yitzchak is the holiest from all of our fathers. He's not allowed to, that's why God, from all our fathers, the only one that was not allowed to leave the land of Israel was Isaac, was Yitzchak, because he was sanctified with the sanctification of a sacrifice. And where was that achieved? When he was laying stretched out on the altar, just one second and millimeter away from being slaughtered for God and being, right? So Yitzchak, um, that place is very special. And Yaakov, as I mentioned earlier, when Yaakov was leaving his father's house, going off to build a family, right? He was running away from his brother's Esau. He, unbeknown to him, he went to sleep on that place. God caused him to fall asleep or God made it change, made the sun go down early for him. Anyways, Yaakov was on the mountain and he saw the, the, um, the ladder and the dream, the vision of everything, everything God revealed to him on that mountaintop. And he wakes up in the morning and he says, how awesome is this place? Right? And again, experience the incredible fear of a God on that place. We also know that our three fathers... And, and, and he promised to God that he's going to, if, if Hashem is going to protect him, he's going to, this stone is going to be a matzeva, which is the Beis Amigdash. He, made, he took a stone and he poured oil on it. That's the stone. That's the Evan Ashesia. In any case, or connected, I think that's the Evan Ashesia, because the Evan Ashesia is a huge rock, maybe connected to it, whatever. The, the, the rock that was related, the stone that Yaakov poured the oil on. In any case, we have three fathers, and we also know that our three fathers, each of them named, called the Temple Mount with a different name. Avram called the Temple Mount Mountain, as he says later, Bahar Hashem on the mountain of God. Yitzchak referred to the place as a field, as it says that Yitzchak went out to pray in the field. Where was he praying? On this place. And Yaakov called it a house. Yaakov says, if God will... Uh, this, this stone that I have placed as an altar is going to be the house of God so Yaakov called it a house in any case all three of them contributed and, and um, prepared were involved in preparing that place for the Beis HaMikdash so the Shemesh Mul says that the three names that there are for Har are relating to the three fathers 
according to the interpretation that Moria means more, which is Ketores, this, which represents the, the, the deepest worship and service to Hashem, even though one could argue that that represents Yitzchak, because Yitzchak is the pillar of worship, he says it represents Avram Avinu. Because the Ketores represents bonding, and the one who served God with the deepest and highest love is Avram Avinu. Avram is the epitome of love, of attachment through Avas Hashem, through love of God. And that's the Ketores. He actually brings a, mid, a Medrash where the Medrash says more, that more is referring to Avram. Let's see the words of the Medrash. If I find it quickly, oh, right over here. The Medrash says in Shira Shira, Moir ze Avram, that's Avram. So the, according to the interpretation that Maria is called Maria because of Ketores, referring to the unique contribution or connection to God that comes through Avram Avinu. Um, according to the interpretation that from this place, fear and dread comes out of the world, that's Isaac, Yitzchak. Because Yitzchak served Hashem with dread and with fear. Pachad Yitzchak. Dread of Yitzchak. Yaakov is the Torah Jew. Vayakom Eidus be Yaakov. Hashem establishes Eidus, the testimony, which is the Torah, in Yaakov. The Torah sum be Yisrael. And Torah God places in Israel. Israel is, is Jacob, Yaakov. That's his name that he got later. We also know that Yaakov is Teferes. Avram is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gevur, Yaakov is the middle, Teferes. Teferes is Emes, Yaakov's Midah is also Emes. Teferes, uh, Emes is Torah. And it says openly by Yaakov, when the Torah describes what was Yaakov preoccupied with, Avram was preoccupied with kindness, with, with doing charitable acts. Um, I mean, Yitzchak was preoccupied with prayer. And Yaakov was preoccupied with Torah study. The Yaakov Ishtam, Yaakov is a wholesome person, Yoshiv Ha'olam, who sits in the tents. And Rashi says, of shame ve'ever studying Torah. So the idea that Torah comes from that place, instructions, guidance, that's Yaakov. So you have a blend of all three. But he says an amazing thing. He says, Jerusalem is neither Avram, not Yitzchak, and not Yaakov. They all contributed Jerusalem is King David's city. Because really, the, we'll soon speak about it, the real essence of Yerushalayim is that's where the manifestation of Sphira Tamalchus, the attribute of kingship of God, and who is the attribute of Malchus, who is the personifies Malchus, which person encapsulates in his soul God's power of kingship. That's King David and his descendants, Ultimately, Moshiach Tzedkenu. So, um, David is Yerushalayim. And that's why Yerushalayim is called Ir David, the city of David. There's a passage that says, where God says, that from all, all the time in the world, I haven't chosen a place to call it mine. My Efchar, something like that, I don't have the exact words of the passage. I haven't cho chosen anywhere. Until I chose Jerusalem. But the verse doesn't say that God says, I chose Jerusalem. It says, until I chose David. So the, 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 the Yerushalayim is so 
synonymous with David. It's so interwoven and interconnected with, the, with, with King David that Hashem says, when he, Hashem says, I want to, I'm, choosing, I'm choosing Jerusalem, I'm choosing David. David is Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim is David. But how does this fit with what we were saying before? Maria is Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So he says an interesting idea. We know that in the Malchus, uh, in the chariot, in God's chariot, there are four, four wheels in the Merkava. And the four wheels are Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, and Malchus. Or the four people or souls that make up the Merkava are Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the patriarchs, our forefathers. And the fourth one is King David, is David HaMelech. Regal HaRevi, the fourth leg, so to speak, of the chariot. Spiritually, mystically, we know, Malchus is feminine, and Malchus is just a recipient, and the other spheros are masculine, Chesed, Gevurit, Teferes, and they pour their light into Malchus. Malchus is the cup, the recipient. She receives from all the three spheros, Chesed, Gevurit, Teferes. That's why David HaMelech, Yerushalayim, who is, who is Jerusalem, is a recipient from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So he mentions a fascinating idea. He says, David HaMelech did not go and become king in Jerusalem until he first was in Hebron. We know that when King David became king, he was 30 years old when he became king. For the first 30 years of his life, he was not a king. When he was 30, he became king. But when he was king at the beginning, initially he was only accepted as a king by two tribes. Or maybe only by one. By Yehuda, by his own tribe. Maybe Binyamin too, I'm not sure. But he was accepted by Yehuda, by his own tribe. And then in order for him to become king over all the Jewish people, that was only seven years later, then he became king over all, recognized and accepted by all of Israel. You understand that people didn't accept him. He was being persecuted by his father-in-law, Shaul, the previous king, who wanted to kill him. So it took a while until he gained the vote and the approval of the masses. That was when he established Jerusalem. That was when he was 37 years old. Where was he from 30 to 37? He was a king in Hebron. From Hebron he went to Jerusalem. Why did he go to Hebron first? Mystically, now we understand. Because he first needs to receive what's in Hebron. We'll see next week in the parsha. Maybe next week's Torah class, parsha, my life, is going to be about the significance of the city of Hebron. But now it's, we're talking about Yerushalayim. But David HaMelech has to first go to Hebron to receive his, his, uh, his, his uh, from, from all three of the forefathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Then he comes to Jerusalem, and that's why Yerushalayim is called Moria, which as we said before, it's a blend from all three of our fathers. That's its energy, that constitutes its energy. But the vessel, the container that receives it all is Malchus, is David. Okay, that is as far as the name of um, Moria is concerned. Now let's go back 
to the end of the part, the, the end of the Torah portion, end of the story, when Avram Avinu names the place, he calls it Hashem Yireh. That Hashem should see. And as we mentioned earlier, God accepted that name and he attached it to the name, again, not Moria. He attaches it to the name that Shem referred to it called Sholem. And he makes up the word Yerushalayim, which is the name of Jerusalem. So what is the significance of that name? Yerushalayim. What does that mean? So just a couple of ideas regarding to the to this to this to this to this uh, name. As I mentioned earlier, we emphasized in the name Moria that this is the place, and I brought to you from the Kliyakar, that this is the place where the masculine, where the male and female element of, of the cosmos come together. This is the place of fusion, of union. This, this is where we connect to God on the deepest, highest, highest level. This is where the 15 come together, the yud and the hey. Masculine energy is the 10, feminine energy is the 5. Together they come together as the 15. By the way, on the 15th of the month, which is tonight, the 15th of the month, is when you have the shlemus of the union between the moon and the sun. Sun is masculine, moon is feminine. The moon is bright, fully lit up when the light of the sun is shining. Which we know when the Beis Amidish was standing, it was compared to the moon's light that was shining on the world. So it's like connected to tonight, the 15th day of Cheshvan. Or the 15th of any month. That is the name Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim represents the Tzemach Tzedek says. Third Chabad Rebbe. Says that Yerushalayim represents this Yichud. Why? Yeru is the word that Avram named it. From the word Hashem Yira, Hashem should see. But Yira also means from the word fear. The word Yud, Resh, Aleph, Hey has another meaning in addition to vision, seeing. It also means fear. So Yira, Yira means, now who is fear? Malchus, the Shechina, is the epitome of fear. First of all, to, to her constituents, to her recipients, which are the worlds, she bestows fear. Why? Because Malchus is, the, is, is God's manifestation and revelation to the world as a king, as a powerful ruler. Higher than Malchus, there's no revelation to the world. God is private. So there's no fear coming from it because he's hidden. Through Malchus, God reveals himself. 
both to create, to sustain, to direct. The glory of God's kingship they speak. All, this, all the worlds are filled with God's glory through his power of kingship. So God's kingship is the source of fear. That's number one. Secondly, Malchus, which is the Shekhinah, she herself trembles in awe from her husband, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from the infinite. Ain't sof of God. That's why regarding to Malchus, Malchus is feminine, she's called. So it's not only that she bestows fear outward, but she herself, as we're soon going to see, is the epitome of fear. Isha Yiras Hashem, the woman who fears God. Who is the woman who fears God? All, all souls are called the woman. Souls are feminine. All souls are the women who fear God. But then there's the root soul of all souls. That's the Shekhinah. And she fears the Ein Sof. She is tiny, tiny, tiny little crumb of a crumb in front of God's infinite life. Because the energy of God that enlivens and sustains the infinite universe is still considered only a crumb of a crumb of the true transcendental power of God. That's why she is called Yira, fear. Sholem is Yesod, which is the masculine, attaching to the Shechina. The connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina happens through Yesod. Yesod is the bonder. Yesod is the sixth sphere. It's the it's the, and the, the meaning of Yesod is bonding. Bonding between male and female. Attachment. Between heaven and earth. Between the infinite and the finite. Between the creation and the creator. It's all through the attribute. That's why it's called Shalom. Shalom also from the word Shalom. Shalom means peace. Peace is to bring things together. So to bring, to unify, to bring together shalom bias, to bring husband and wife together. That's the element of Yesod. Since the Beis Amigdash is the place where the Yichud, the Makam of Yichud between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, it's called Yireh Shalom. Shalom is him, Yira is her. Yireh Shalom. The fear, bonding with peace. Yireh Shalom, Yichud of Yesoid and Malchus, the bonding of these two of these two elements. And that's the etymology of the word Yerushalayim. Think about that. It's like awesome. We really appreciate that. Just to, to further elucidate this idea that Yesod is the connection. We say in Davening Lucha Hashem Hagidula to you God is greatness, Gavura might Ateferes, beauty, Vahnetzach, victory, Vahod, and glory. And then we say, Lacha Hashem Hamam Lacha, to you Hashem is kingship. And what happened, which we know that Gedula is Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, Netzach, Hod, they're all mentioned explicitly in the verse. Malchus is also mentioned. The only one that's not mentioned is Yesod. We don't say, Lacha Hashem Hagdula, Vagura, Teferes, Vahnetzach, Vahod, Vahayesod. Instead, we say, Kikol Bashamayim Ubaaretz. 
everything that's in heaven and earth. So where's your soul? So it says the word kol, everything. So the Zohar says, that connects heaven and earth. Heaven is the masculine, infinite. Earth, feminine, finite. And the two of them, the vessel, the feminine is the vessel. Man is the energy. Masculine is the energy. The two of them are fused together. Yisod and Ma'ah. But what is it? Kikol, that's Yisod. That's why Yisod is called Shalayim. So Yerushalayim is Yira and Shalom together. Translate that, that Tzemach Tzedek says, into, that, that's in the divine. Yira Malchus Now, everything has to be reflected in us. So when a Jew comes to Jerusalem, when a Yid comes to Yerushalayim, and a Yid comes to the base of Megdash, what does that impact of him? So the Yira, the Yeru, which is the same, as we said earlier, the Vav substitutes the Aleph and the He, and it's Yira. The, the Yira part of the word Yerushalayim evokes fear of God, the feminine attribute within the soul, the awe and the fear, the, 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 it, 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 it calls forth Yira Shamayim, the fear of Hashem, on the highest, deepest, most wholesome way. And the Shalem of the word Yerushalayim, which relates to the masculine side, which male energy is kind energy, is related to chesed and to love. So the Shalem element of the word Yerushalayim stimulated and triggered love of God. So therefore, when a Yid, when a Jew walked into Jerusalem, and when Mashiach will come, we will all experience this a billionfold, and not only Jews, because then everybody will come, and everybody according to their level, will experience, when we go to Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, the full experience of, excuse me, of Avas Hashem and Yeris Hashem, of love of God and fear of God. The Sholem, which comes from Yesod, which is a channel of the masculine energy, evokes the love of Hashem. And the, the, um, the Yeru bestows the fear. And the Tzemach Tzedek says, but the main part is not the love and the fear, but the perfect fusion of both of them. There's a problem when we only have one. When we only have fear and no love in our, in our Judaism, in our experience of God, we might be very meticulous in observance. We might be very, 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 very exact in everything, but we're lacking, uh, we're lacking the fervor and the excitement. If we only have love, then we can sometimes be lenient and cut corners and whatever because we're, you know, we're in a more pal-pal uh, relationship with God. It doesn't work that way. The way to approach Hashem and the way to serve Him, believe Shalim with a complete heart, is through these two motions of love and fear. Yerushalayim, because Yerushalayim is the harmony of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Shekhinah, masculine and feminine, Ava and Yira, Chesed and Gevura, perfectly combined together, it stimulated and brought forth Ava Hashem and Yira Hashem in its perfect state. In another piece of the Tzemach Tzedek's writings, um, 
he f or and many others, he refers to the the um, Yerushalayim primarily not as the place that stimulates the love, but primarily, I mean, the main quality of Yerushalayim is Malchus, and the main quality of divine worship associated with Malchus is Yeres Hashem and fear of God. But he says, what would be, what is the meaning of the word Yerushalayim? And this is brought in not, not just the Tzemach Tzedeks, but it across the, all the Hasidic writings, the Alter Rebbe, Rav Shneir Zalman of Liadi, but also in, I just saw it, Navoidas Yisrael from the Karshnitzah Magid, and from, I think, the Oyev Yisrael, the Apterov, and uh, I'm sure it's in, in all over, that the word Yerushalayim comes from the word Yire Shalem, complete fear. Okay. We emphasized earlier in the Pasuk, Yira comes from the idea of seeing, vision. Hashem Yira, Hashem should see. But as I said, that the word Yira also means fear. And so the word Yira, Shalim, would mean completion in fear. Fear of God. That's why Nishamas, the souls, before they come down in this world, it says in Hasidus, are called Benos Yerushalayim, the daughters of Jerusalem. Because the souls in heaven have perfect fear of God. Yerushal. When we come down into bodies, the bodies conceal and obscure it. Maybe that could be the reason. I, I was looking, when I was trying to prepare this year, I was looking for the link that would give me the link between vision, yira, seeing, and fear. Oh, explicitly, that someone should say it regarding Yerushalayim, and I, do, I, I don't remember seeing it. For some reason today, when I was thinking before the class, I, 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 I thought I came across it, but then I couldn't find it again. I think the explanation is simply, the reason we don't fear God, even though God is the absolute ruler and controller over everything, and he's, is because we don't see him. It's the lack of vision, the fact that we have to just imagine Hashem, and we don't see him, so that takes away that impact of fearing God. That's why we're incapable of fearing him the way we ought to fear him when he's not revealed. Only when we have the city of Yerushalayim can we have a Yireh Sholem? Can we have complete fear? What's with the love? So, the, the chemistry of the city of Yerushalayim as being Jerusalem, with the name Yerushalayim, according to this explanation, is not related to the love. That does not mean that when you came to Yerushalayim, you were not filled with powerful love of God. But that's not related to the name Jerusalem, that's related to another name referring to Yerushalayim, and that is called Har HaKodesh, the Holy Mountain. As we all are familiar, it says, Uvo, that when Mashiach will come, those that are lost in the land of Mitzrayim, that are cast in the land of Egypt, they will bow down to God, Har HaKodesh on the Holy Mountain, be Yerushalayim in Yerushalayim. So what does it mean? So they, it mentions what's the double on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. So that Semach Tzedek brings, and I think this is really already from his grandfather, because I think I remember it from a mimer from the Alter Rebbe Rosh Hashanah. Har HaKodesh, Har, mountain, is love. Remember we said earlier that 
our three fathers called the Temple Mount three different names. Avram called it mountain, Yitzchak called it fear, I mean a field, and Yaakov called it house. Avram is the energy of the channel of love. Avram Ohavi, Avram who loved me. He served God with love. His entire being was a being of love. Avram Avinu, um, why? And, and therefore he called it mountain. And as the Alter Rebbe explains, mountain represents love, because what's love? Love is your, a person feels an attraction to something else. An attraction is a protrusion. There is me, and I'm in my own space, and I can stay in my own space. Unless something, I am pulled towards something, so then I protrude outward towards that thing. That's what, that's what a mountain is, a protrusion of earth. It's like earth loving heaven. It wants to go upward, right? So it's rising, a protrusion outward. That's mountain. That's why Avram actually has the word har in his name. Har, because Avram is love. His grandson, Aaron, the high priest, who is also a channel of love. Both Aaron and Aaron are both love. Avram and Aaron are both love. Aaron also has the word Har in his name. Kohanim in general are the channels of love. They're on the right side. And where did Aaron pass away? And where was he buried? On a place called Hor Hor, a mountain of mountains. A mountain on top of a mountain. Because love is associated with a mountain. When it says, we're going to come up and we're going to bow down to God. Bahar HaKodesh Yerushalayim on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem means perfect fear. The holy mountain means perfect love on the mountain. So we will experience both love and fear. The emphasis on it being a holy mountain, what's the emphasis? The holy mountain means that the, the love is a love that remains in check. And that's called a love with humility. Because sometimes when a person loves, their love is full of ego, full of self. When they're loving somebody or something, it's, it's hardly about the thing they're loving. It's much more about their own feeling of self in that love. It's, I love you. The you is hardly felt. It's the I love. That's not a good love in any relationship, especially in relationship with God. It's supposed to be, I love you. The you is powerful. And the I is lost. So that means the Alter Rebbe says the holy mountain. Holiness, Kodesh is Chachma, I'm going to get into it right now, which is Bittel nullification. Holy mountain is the epitome of love of God. And Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, is Yiresh Sholem, complete fear. Love and fear. So according to the first interpretation I said before, the word Jerusalem itself has the love in it. Because the Sholem is the masculine energy and the Yeru is the fear. But according to most of the explanation, is Yerushalayim is primarily the feminine King David, also the feminine soul. It's the Isha, Yiras Hashem, fear of God experience in Judaism. It happens to be that it's also Har HaKodesh, which means uh, it's the place of love as well. But the dominant factor in Jerusalem is the fear of Hashem, the awe of God.
What does it mean that Tzemach Tzedek says, Yira Sholem, complete fear? So he says two fascinating things, two very, very important ideas. Why is it that only in Jerusalem can we have complete fear? seems to imply that without Jerusalem you can't have complete fear. So he says two ideas. Number one, he says, a creation cannot have the cannot withstand the fear of God to the fullest. So a any creation will always be, as long as they're living in creative con- in, in creation consciousness, there will be a deficiency in their fear. Their fear is not up to par as powerful and as intense that it is supposed to be. Why? He says, sages say that even in angels, God finds fault. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not the sages. It's a verse. The Pasuk says, even in his, his angels, Yasim Tahala, Hashem finds fault. Because a creation doesn't have the capacity to appreciate the enormity of God's majesty to fear him to the extent that God ought to be feared. So it's faulty. He says, the Tzemach Tzedek says, the only one who fears with the, with the, with the ultimate fear is the Shekhinah herself. The Shekhinah herself has the fear of the Ein Sof because she is divine, so she herself has an infinite capacity, so she fears her, the, the Or Ein Sof, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with the epitome of fear, to the fullest extent, or you can call the fullest extent. And that's why, he says, only Yerushalayim, which Yerushalayim is Yira, that is the Shekhinah, has that. So what does that mean? It doesn't, doesn't really explain, but I think what it means is that when we, does that mean, okay, so the Shekhinah fear, so what does that have to do with us? When we would go up to Jerusalem, we would be entering into the into the uh, into the Shekhinah space, so our souls would be reabsorbed in the Shekhinah, and then we can experience that intimate, that, that infinite fear. Fear to more than the angels, fear th- the way we ought to fear Hashem. That's why it would have such a lasting impact that even when we would go home, even seven years later we would still fear. We only visited the base of to Jerusalem once. When Jerusalem is filled with its spiritual capacity, with its spiritual light. So it's not enough to fear God with a human's appreciation. We have to fear Him with a divine appreciation. And that divine appreciation we can only have in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim. Another idea, again, related to this. Same concept, but in a different piece. The Tzemach Tzedek says... 
that. God's true majesty, his real power of kingship, is not and cannot be revealed to the creations. The way Hashem manifests his kingship in creation is through many, many, many veils, screens, filters that diminish, soften the impact. Like we say it in Davani, in Ashrei, we say, to notify to man. Man over here means all creatures. Souls in heaven as well. Hashem's might. And the glory of his splendor of his kingship. What's God's glory of the splendor of his kingship? This that he creates myriads and myriads and myriads of creatures, infinite creatures. In the spiritual worlds, they go on in self. Even in the physical universe, we, we don't see the end to it. And the, 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 the enormity of it, which expresses the power, the magnificent power of the, of the one who generates all of this. Yet we say, that how is the how is the splendor of his majesty experienced and revealed? Only through many partitions, many veils. God has to hold back because he allows us only to peek a tiny little crumb of his power. Because if the attribute of Malchus herself would reveal herself if the power of the Shekhinah, see earlier we spoke about the Shekhinah compared to what's beyond the Shekhinah. But even if just the Shekhinah would reveal herself to her constituents, to her creations, she would overwhelm them completely and destroy them. Like we find that um, one time it says the Malachim, the angels needed a little lesson. They were misbehaving. And Hashem stuck out his pinky. That's what it says. The Midrash says, God exposed his pinky to them. So Hasidus explains, what's the pinky? The ten fingers of the ten correspond to the ten attributes. The pinky is the last one representing the attribute of Malchus. It's the smallest of the attributes. Yet, when God revealed a little bit more than they can handle, literally they were all toasted. Talking about these celestial beings that are, they were all gone. It burnt them in one second. That's how powerful the oil of the Shekhinah is. That's why the world's, and therefore we don't experience Yerushalayim complete fear. Because we're not at all, we're, 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 we're perceiving the divine through a tiny little keyhole. So what do we see of his majesty and of his greatness? Looks like in, Jer- in Yerushalayim, especially in Jerusalem of the future, that will be revealed. Un- the world will have the capacity, the world will be able to receive it. It will be revealed and therefore we're going to have Yerushalayim, complete fear of God. And that's Yerushalayim. But that's Yerushalayim 
in essence, related to Jerusalem of what the name Yerushalayim is now, which is called Yerushalayim. I want to conclude now. There's so much more to speak about this. But I would like... Oh, by the way, I just want, found something really interesting. The Holy Ruzhiner, Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin, I think his yard site was in, is in the Chodesh of Cheshvan. The Ruzhiner once said, the reason why the students of the Baal Shem Tov, or the students of the Mizritcha Magid, second generations of Hasidic masters, they made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael in the late 1700s. There was an Aliyah of the great Sadiqim, Rabshneer Zalman of Liadi wanted to join them. And then he turned back, but his friends, Mendela of Vitebsk, or Mendela Horidakar, as he sometimes know, and together with his other Rabbi Avram of Kalisk, these were the first great Hasidic masters that went up to Eretz Yisrael. Um, there was a few Tzadikim influenced by Hasidic that went up earlier, but this was the more known Aliyah of the Tzadikim. They went up, and they, when they went up, was the same time that the students of the Vilna Goyen of the Gra went up to Eretz Yisrael. The students of the Vilna Goyen settled in Jerusalem. The students of these great Hasidic masters went to the north, to the Galil, to Tzvas, to Tveria. Why didn't they go to Jerusalem? So there was a discussion in front of the Ruzhiner. People, people came from Israel. There were Yidden, there were Jews that were coming from Jerusalem. And the question came, why the Hasidic Rabbeim did not go there? And they gave answers that maybe they were scared of the Arabs or whatever. Something like that was the answer they gave. And the Ruzhiner got very upset. And he says, you guys totally don't get it. He says, because Yerushalayim is so fair. It's so intense. And they couldn't handle that fear. That's what he says. They were, they were afraid. <laughs> they were afraid to walk into Yerushalayim. So Yerushalayim is on a whole different level. Well, you know, we can go to Jerusalem and look for pizza shops over there. But if because we're not sensitive, because we're totally numb. We're totally missing it. But Yerushalayim, wow. Makes sense of what we're learning. This is the, the, the wholesomeness of Yerush Hashem, of fear of God. Now, let me conclude with the last idea. Again, it's not all that there is to say about Yerushalayim. This is just a tiny bit, but this is the last idea for now. There is a Pasuk in, in Sefer Yecheskel where the Pasuk says, Pasuk in Yecheskel, in, in Ezekiel 48, it says, V'shem ha'ir miyoyim, the name of the city, miyom from the day, doesn't say which day, Hashem Hashem Shama, Hashem is there. The name of the city is Hashem Shama, Hashem is there. The word Hashem Shama is spelled Shama, the Ksiv is Shama, but it's supposed to be read Hashem Shema, Hashem is its name. So what is, and it's referring to the Mashiach in the end of days. 
What is going to be the name of the city? The name of the city, when Mashiach will come, is going to be Yud Kevavke. Hashem Shema, the Tetragrammaton. The name of the city is going to be God's name. There's another pasuk that says, on that day, on that day, Yikare Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim is going to be called Kisei Hashem, the throne of God. That's going to be its name. What does it mean when it says, the name of the city, Miyom, from the day? In other words, it's saying, it's speaking about the future. Yet it says, Miyom, from the day. Which day is it referring to? So the Alshech HaKadosh, again, the Alshech, which I mentioned earlier, says something really special. It says Miyom is referring to the Akedah, the time of the binding of Isaac. When Avram Avinu stood at the Akedah, he had a prophetic vision. He didn't only see Jerusalem as it was throughout all the ages. He saw Jerusalem of the future, and he perceived it with its ultimate name. The name of Jerusalem is going to be nothing is going to be nothing less than Yudke Vavke. God's name is going to be the name of the city. How do we know? And he brings a Midrash. This is a Midrash in next week's parasha. Parsha's told us. The Midrash says, it's, and what I find so fascinating is the Midrash lists Avram Avinu's resume. This is when the Pasuk where God is singing the praises of Avram. Hashem is telling Yitzchak, I loved your father. Why? Because God listened to my voice. Not next week's parsha. Parsha's told us in two weeks from now. So it brings over here, each one is saying, what was so great about Avram? So one, Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Hanina say that Avram Avinu recognized God when he was 48 years old. Another one says he was three years old. And Rabbi Yonason says that Avram Avinu knew all of the Torah even the laws of Eruv, which are rabbinical ordinances from rabbinical institutions, Avram Avinu knew those laws as well. Uh, even the mitzvah Kalasha Balpeh, even every detail of Torah, Avram already knew, he saw, even before the Torah was given. Reb Simen Omar, Reb Simen says, what's the greatness of Avram? Afilu Shem Chodosh, even the new name, Sha'asad HaKadosh Baruch Likla Yerushalayim, the future name that God is going to call Jerusalem, Hay Avram Yodeya, Avram Avinu knew that name. Dechsev, Vayikra Avram Shem Amokem Ahu, Avram called the name of that place, Hashem Yireh, Hashem should see. So the Medrash is seeing it, that Avram called the name, Vayikra Hashem, how does Avram name the place? He, we were saying that Avram named it Yeru, but he also says Hashem Yeru. So Avram also called it Yudke Vavke. So the Yeru is what it's called now, Yerushalayim. But the Hashem, the Yudke Vavke, is the name that it will be called in the future. And that's one of the greatnesses of Avram, that he knew the secret of all secrets, that Yerushalayim is going to be called Yudke Vavke. And it brings the Pasuk, Hashem Shema. The name of the city from the day, which day? So the Alshech, says, Mio means, based on this medrash, from the day of the Yakeda, Avram Avinu perceived already, our father Avram, that the name of the city is going to be Yudke Vavke. Wow.
Then the Alshech says, so before we get into this idea, just we'll do this very briefly. What does it mean the name of the city is Yudke Vavke? How can you call the city Yudke Vavke? So the Alshech says, he, he, he translates the meaning of the whole verse. Vayikra Avram, Avram called Shema Mokamahu, he named it. He says, we're reading it wrong. The name that Avram named the city is Hashem. Avram called it Yudke Vavke, that's what he called the city. Not Hashem Yireh, just Hashem. What does it mean Yireh, Hashem should see? Yireh is not, you're not supposed to connect the word Yireh to Hashem. It's Hashem, stop, Yireh. And actually, you can, if you look at Nechumish, you'll see that between the word Hashem and Yireh, there is a line. That means it's interrupted. What did Avram call the name of the city according to the Alshech and according, comes out of, based on that Midrash? Avram called the city Hashem, Yudke Vavke. What does Yireh mean? Avram is explaining you're going to ask me, how in the world am I calling a physical place with God's name? How can I do that? A physical place? An inanimate object? An inanimate object? Stone? If. How do I call it with the name of God? So, Al-Sheikh says, Avram says, Yireh. No. Yireh means should see, sees the city itself, the physical matter of Jerusalem, primarily the holy sites, the holy place, is not what it seems like. To you, it looks, to us, it looks like physical stones. Those stones are very spiritual. They have life to it. They have a soul to it. They see. It's a really a frightening thought. The more I'm thinking about it. You think you're going, you know, today's days we go places, you know, there's cameras all over, we don't know, everything is being seen. We think we have privacy, but we're being seen all over. But that's because they're putting up cameras. Jerusalem, the, the stones itself, sees, that's what he says. They have ruchnias, they have spirituality, they're alive, they see. I was thinking, because the other day I went and I did uh, the underground tours in Yerushalayim, next to the place of the base of English. So you think you're walking around there, you're parading around, you're thinking you're looking at these walls. <laughs> As you're looking, especially if you're going underground, so you're probing the secrets of the city, you think you're going underground to look at the walls. What's really happening is the walls are examining you. Boy, oh boy, are they inspecting. They're shining their, 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 their rays right into your kishkes. They're looking through the person completely and knowing everything about the person. If one would know this, we probably wouldn't go visit there so easily. We would, hang, we would go up and hang out in the Galil and be afraid to walk to Jerusalem because we would be inspected. You think you know, you're going to see, you're being seen. That's what he says. He says the place, Avram Avinu is explaining, you're saying that I'm calling it with God's name. It's a physical, inanimate place. It's a dead place. It's not. It's Yira, it has vision, it sees. But he says, this is what he says. But that he says is only going to be in the future. And that is only going to be revealed after Mashiach comes. Therefore he says, Today, however, until that time, until the time when Yira, the place is going to be called Yudke Vavke, because the place sees 
until that time, Bahar Hashem, Bahar, what do we say about that place now? Is Hashem Yera, that Hashem makes himself visible in that place. In other words, there's two, there's two levels in Yerushalayim. There's the Yerushalayim of the now and the Yerushalayim of the, fu- of the future. The Yerushalayim throughout history until the end of days, what's its significance? Significance is that that's the physical place where God manifests himself, where God makes himself be seen. He says, that's now. In the future, the place itself is called Hashem, Yireh, and the place has vision. It is not what it seems to be. And what does this mean? He doesn't give an explanation much. But this has to do, I think, with the idea that as a result of all of our Torah and mitzvahs, as a result of all of our Yiddishkeit, when we bring God into the world more and more, and especially all that godliness, the peak, the, 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 the central station where all that holiness accumulates is in the is 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 in the Temple Mount, is in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem. To the point where creation and the creator become completely the creation melts into the creator. Meaning God is really the essence of everything, but it's blocked. But as a result of our Torah mitzvahs, we remove those blockages. So it says actually that Sadiqim in, in, the, in, in the end of days, all the tzaddikim are going to be called Yudke Vavke. Because when we do Torah mitzvahs, we reveal God in our bodies, that our bodies cease to be our bodies. They become just physical, physical vessels for the transcendental truth and beyond time and space of God to reveal itself through our bodies. So tzaddikim are going to be called Havaya. Moshiach Tzedkenu himself is also going to be called Yudke Vavke. In Yermio, there is a Pasuk that says that Hashem, that Moshiach's name is going to be Yudke Vavke, it's going to be Hashem. The ultimate, ultimate fusion of the human being with Hashem in Moshiach Tzedkenu. And that's going to be so strong that it's even going to, it's even going to permeate the inanimate, as much as we can call it inanimate, of Jerusalem of stones of Jerusalem, that Jerusalem are going to be called Yudke Vavke. Tzemach Tzedek adds, Tzemach Tzedek says, that since Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, is Sphiras HaMalchus, it's the attribute of Malchus, which as we said earlier, is corresponds to the moon. Therefore he says, today's days, it's associated with the name of Elohim, because we know Malchus is the source of time and space, source related to the name of Elohim, which is the name of God of constricted, the divine constricted and limited. Malchus, as we spoke earlier, is the pinky, it's the smallest, it's the least of all the attributes. It's the weakest, so to speak. That's why it's the source of time and space. That's why it's the name of Elohim. And Malchus is called Ir Elokeinu, the city of Elohim. But what does it say when Mashiach will come? The moon, v'haya oir alavana ka'erachama. The, the light of the moon will be as bright as the light of the sun. When the moon will become as bright as the sun, what does that mean? Malchus will rise and she will be as bright and as expressive 
as Yudke Vavke, as her husband, as the son, which is the Ze'eranpi, which are the higher attributes. Malchus is going to be in perfect marriage, in perfect Yichud with the sun. So therefore the moon is going to be as bright as the sun. If that's the case, the city that's now called Ira Lokenu is going to be called Yudke Vavke. She's going to rise to the revelation of Yudke Vavke, which is infinitely higher than the name of Elohim. That's going to be the name of the city when Mashiach comes. May we merit to already see Yerushalayim with all of its spiritual qualities and with all of its light. Yerushalayim habnuya, Yerushalayim completely rebuilt. Yerushalayim in all of her glory, in all of her light. And uh, over there, as we say, Sham Nismachaboy, over there we will rejoice in Him. Thank you. Oh, I'm